It is Thursday, January 11th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. A surprise retirement in and, the coaching ranks. And a surprise firing in the coaching ranks. Mutual agreement to part ways? Sure. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The greatest college football coach of all time calls it a career. Pete Carroll out as the head coach in Seattle. And Kawhi Leonard gets paid. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Well, as much as I want to start in the NFL, I guess we'll kind of blend it here. Let's just talk coaches right now. Nick Saban retiring and the future of Alabama kind of up in the air. There's a lot of speculation as to who's going to take over for Saban as the head coach of the Tide, and I can give you the odds right now. Let's hear them. Okay. Well, the favorite is – well, I'll let you guess. Who would be your first choice, A.J.? to replace Nick Saban. And let's just say this. We don't have to spend 10, 15 minutes talking about how great Nick Saban is. He's the greatest college football coach to have ever coached. Yes, I'll say that. He's better than Bear Bryant. He is the greatest college football coach ever. I agree with that. Okay, so we don't have to spend 10 minutes debating that or not. Now, I'll say that I tweeted this out yesterday. I said, if I'm Bama, I'm calling in this order. And number one, I understand, would say no. But if you're Alabama, you call everyone and make them say no. First call I make is Kirby Smart. That's the that's the name that I think a lot of people felt for years would be the the heir apparent to Nick Saban. But he goes to Georgia, leaves Alabama, goes to Georgia, builds the dynasty there at Georgia. It's and his alma mater. And, and, and then eventually when Nick Saban retires, he'd come back to Alabama. But Georgia's such a monster now. It's his alma mater. It's his mm-hmm. dream. I, mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. he ever leaves. But if I'm Alabama, I still make him say no. I don't think he's the favorite. I think the next call I make is Dan Lanning, and I think he, if, if he's not the favorite, he should be. Well, he is the favorite. Dan Lanning is the betting favorite right now to be the next head coach at Alabama at 3-1, to one. And, and, and I, don't, I don't see it. I really don't. I really don't. I understand the success he had at Georgia at, you know, as a coordinator and as a defensive coach and what he's done at Oregon. Certainly, uh, he's done great. He's done a great job at Oregon. I mean, I can talk about the questionable decisions against Washington that cost his team a chance at you know maybe the college football playoff, but uh, I I don't I just don't see it with Dan Lanning. To me, Dabo Swinney is is the slam dunk hire. Oh, Dabo Swinney is a dinosaur. Da- but but Dabo has n- there's nothing left for him at Clemson. That's his problem. There's nothing <laughs> left for him in the ACC. For him to go, you know, to to, to Alabama and be the head coach there, I think is something that. You know, it, 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 it would reinvigorate him. It would maybe re- get a jump, re-jumpstart his career. Remember, he, he started his entire tenure at Alabama. He played football at Alabama. And then he, you know, was there for his entire coaching tenure as a graduate assistant all the way through being a wide receivers coach, tight end coach, and all that stuff. Then he goes to Clemson and and rises through the ranks to eventually become the head coach there. I just think it's such a natural fit and a a 
like I said, it would reinvigorate his career. I'm sure it would. Uh, to me, it would be like hiring Jimbo Fisher. It's a guy has shown what he is. He's a guy who, when when things are stacked up perfectly and he's got the exact right players, mm -hmm. and you know maybe he can put something together. But if not, it's just kind of meh. I mean, what? Why has why has Dabo Swinney's offense looked like it's been stuck in the 19th century for the past? He doesn't embrace years? the transfer portal. <laughs> I mean, that's that's good enough reason for me not to look at him. Listen, you can say I, I know Dan he's the Lanning's, second favorite, by the way. Dabo, I, I get it, and I'm not surprised. Okay. I know Dan Lanning's only had two years as a head coach. That's not a lot of time, but he was the defensive coordinator at Georgia yes. for for three years, mm -hmm. where you could argue they had the, the greatest defense, the great, country, greatest yes. defense and not like the greatest three year run of defense. One of them sure. it, it, outside of Alabama's in history. And I, I do. This is a guy who was a he was a GA at Alabama back in his younger days. Uh, he, I think it's important to, like you said with Dabo. I think it's important to have a guy with Southern ties. When you're mm -hmm. when you're an SEC coach, you want someone with a tie to the region because it's so important to recruiting. I think Dan Lanning has enough of that, and I think he's made enough of a name for himself. The fact that Oregon didn't – not when Mario Cristobal left, not only did they not skip a beat, they improved. It, like, he didn't have a down year it, it, at Oregon. Like, that's, to me, that's impressive. Like, if, if you take over a job and there's not, like, a transition year, you're instantly successful, which Oregon was. 22 wins in two years is successful anywhere. I, I think this is a, guy, a young guy – and I think when you take a guy that's, you know, relatable, uh, which we all know Dabo Swinney is not is very not, relatable, yep. mm -hmm. you, you're looking at a 37-year-old dude who's got some skins on the walls. To me, this this is the home run. This is the guy that I like. Okay. I mean, I could see it. I, I mean, there's a reason why he's the favorite. I just, I don't know. I think I need more than just two years as the head coach in order to, to take over at Alabama. The next I name, think I need some pedigree. The next name on my list is Lane Kiffin. He is the third favorite at five to one. I listen. Lane Kiffin has done a lot, mm -hmm. uh, and he's done it in a lot of different places. And Lane Kiffin, it's not always, um, it, it, you know, it, it's not always uh, easy. But Lane Kiffin wins football games. Yep. And I, I think this dude, you give him that platform at Alabama. I think he could have a lot of success there. I, I, I do think he's a hell of a coach, and if you you know give him the right spot, and this is another guy who's young enough that he's relatable to recruits. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think he's a he's another guy who could who could really do a good job there. And, the I, next, and I know USC didn't yeah didn't necessarily work out, um, but Ole Miss has Ole Miss has to an extent because uh, you know you got it's hard to get by Alabama every year. Yeah. Um, the next name on the list, I wish I, I, I can you bet? Can I bet the no? Like I, is it Dion? It's Dion. It's so absurd. I, I I I bridge jumper bet that it would be in the no. I, <laughs> the listen, no on Dion. There were some uh, the odds that I saw yesterday morning. They gonna made it personal. Roll Tide. There were some other names on that. Like Urban Meyer was on that list. Yeah, I see Urban Meyer on the list. The, yep. the, the no on Urban Meyer is free money. D'Amico Ryan's is on this list. Billy <laughs> Napier is on the list. Billy Napier is under 500 at Florida. You think Alabama's like, oh, yeah, we'll take a chance with him. Come on. What about Bill O'Brien? Trust me, like it's a name that I'm not surprised to see. Uh, I, I, the other the other names. Bill Belichick. I, the, uh, wow, that would <laughs> no, be mind blowing. No. The other names I wasn't surprised to see, uh, and I, I think should be kicked around. Kalen DeBoer is a name, although I think I'd I'd want to see more out of him. Um, I, Marcus Freeman, you're going to hear his name. You're going to hear Mike Norvell's name, and 
in, insane or not, you're going to hear James Franklin's name. I don't think James Franklin is a real possibility. Uh, but I, I do think that, I mean, when you're Alabama, you can almost choose your guy. That's why I say there's, there's a handful of guys who might say no, but I call those guys and make them say no first. What about Pete Carroll? No, I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think so. I think he's he's <laughs> no. at this point like Pete, I. I love Pete Carroll as a coach. I think he was a great college coach in his time. I think he's been away from the game for too long to to come back and deal with what's essentially a whole new ball game with the mm-hmm. transfer portal and, and nil and things like that. So, uh, I, I think it's important to get someone young. I think it's important to get someone who. Uh, isn't on the the hasn't peaked in their career. Yep. That's my worry about Dabo. Is I feel like he's peaked in his career. I feel like Dan Lanning, Lane Kiffin, uh, these are guys I could still see doing something big. And, and Alabama's a great place for him to do it. All right. Well, let's uh, from college coaching to NFL coaching, and we'll talk about the Seahawks parting ways with Pete Carroll. Uh, like um, Nick Saban, what seventy-two years old, right? Yeah. So um, the oldest coach in the NFL. Yeah, but he he doesn't act it, right? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't look it. I mean, like, yeah, this guy feels like he's uh, like he's sixty. Fourteen seasons, ten playoff appearances, obviously the Super Bowl championship, and he even said like he's he's excited for the future to, to see what's next. I don't know if if he's going to get be coaching. I th- he's going to be involved in football. I cannot see him staying away from the game uh, for long. The favorite to land this job is probably, like, the I don't want to call it the slam dunk hire, but, like, it's the first name that anybody brought up for the past several years when the idea of Pete Carroll not being the head coach of this team, and it's Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was a defensive coordinator during the Legion of Boom, right? You know, made made his bones there under Pete Carroll. And then in Dallas, he's I mean, look, he, he failed as a head coach in Atlanta. That's my problem. But in Dallas, he is kind of. And he, he was not only like, I mean, he was just, he was bad. But, I mean, but, they made but, it to a Super Bowl. And it turns out, it looks like Kyle Shanahan had a yeah, lot to do with but, that. But has he done enough as the D.C. in Dallas for the past several years to earn him another shot at being a head coach. I I wouldn't want him. Uh but again, I, I would understand if the if the Seahawks wanted to give that a try. I just think it's a it, it's a different age now. And I and I, I do think Dan Quinn's a, a pretty good defensive coordinator. I just don't think Dan Quinn's a good head coach in the NFL. So I, I would look for something different. Well he is the favorite. It's even money. It's I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. And he'll he'll probably be the guy. I mm-hmm. just don't think it's the right hire. All right. Your your second favorite is Mike Vrabel. Okay. And, and boy, that's a, to me. He's it, gonna get. He's gonna be on everybody's list. Listen, if I'm the the if I'm the Seahawks, I'm calling him right now before a, a before decision gets does. made in New England. Yep. You know, like and Seattle's not. I mean, it's a it it's not a uh, it's not a slam dunk job. It's not like a if you don't have your quarterback of the future there. You 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 know you've, your defense is. Eh, it's not what it was when when Dan Quinn was there before. Certainly, but. You you know you have a loyal fan base. You know that they they are you have a, an owner who's going to put money into the team. I, I mean, to me, it's a pretty damn good job. I think Mike Vrabel would be a great fit there. So the next name on the list is I think it's it's interesting because he, you can go from the oldest coach in the NFL to one of the youngest in the NFL, and that's Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. What he has done in one year with a rookie quarterback is just it, it's unbelievable and. He has divisional experience because yeah. of all the time that he spent 
in the San Francisco 49ers coaching staff. So he knows the division well. It would kind of be like stealing from the Kyle Shanahan tree there and starting your own thing in Seattle. But Bobby Slowick is an interesting name. Is there no uh, Brian Flores on that list? Brian Flores is, well, he is way down the list at 35 to 1. I don't understand why people don't like this guy. I mean, he must be a terrible yeah. interview or something. I, I don't get it. I, I still think he's such a good coach. I think it's a mistake that these te- these teams keep passing on him. Hey, Marshawn Lynch is 100 to 1. He's just there. He's just there so he don't get fined. I'll parlay the no with the no on Dion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How, why is Dion not on this <laughs> list? Uh, all right. Well, we're inching closer and closer to super. Wild card weekend in the NFL. And, uh, oh, one more coaching news. It's it's official. The Giants and Wink Martindale have parted ways. He resigned. Yes. Even though, resigned. even though it was reported, nothing ever happened, but all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Super Wild Card Weekend is coming up. And here to talk more about it is the only two-time winner of the Super Contest and a stakeholder in this year's Circa Survivor championship mr steve fez congrats fez i'm a survivor so i faded in millions to 21st place but uh got my survivor share investors share so very pleased go down to circa friday night be picking up a nice check friday night from them well let's talk about the let's talk about survivor first now you guys had decided uh, a couple weeks ago to do a, a four-way chop for a, a pretty big percentage. Can you say now what the percentage was? Yeah, so it's basically eight nines. Eight million got chopped, and then they paid for a little over a million of, of the remaining amount. But then basically what happened is everybody survived the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. so the entire it wound thing up being a chop anyway. got being split, right? Yes, yeah, so it makes it a lot cleaner because now one guy doesn't have to come into Circa and – apportion out all the, the checks now four guys can come in and the way circa handles it and this is how they should handle it they tell each guy all right you just won 2.3 million how do you want me to chop it up i'll pay it any way you want yes. oh that's nice so are they get are they gonna give you a check or uh chips they're gonna give me a check <laughs> and i'll get taxed on it so oh that's damn it i am gonna get to prepay my taxes for 2024 before I pay my taxes for 2023. Yay. That is, uh, I guess that's nice. Uh, all right, let's talk about millions. You said you you faded in millions. You were, was it three or four weeks ago, you were in third place? What what do you think went wrong down the stretch? I mean, obviously, 21st, still a good finish. You're still in the money. What, what was the, uh, the payout for 21st place? 24,000, and it would have been 75,000 for 10th. It would have been like 300,000, two more games for a tie for third. CLV killed the contest player star. CLV <laughs> killed the contest player star. In all seriousness, I, I really don't have any regrets because I didn't sniff first or second. I was five and a half games behind those guys. And looking back on it, there, there's if I had played uh, – better the last month i could if i played perfectly picked up two more games really no more like the last two weeks uh, the way i play I, I only play good numbers and frankly the the games i rejected lost also the last two weeks so mm. i was going to have a bad final two weeks i went two and three it kind of played out well frankly because my winners were the raiders which were was an easy winner and i had a second easy winner um, I, Cincinnati, I had Cincinnati against Cleveland, whereas my losers 
really did a nice job, not only losing, but making it obvious they were going to lose, but not on the scoreboard. What do I mean by that is like live wagering. Green Bay was kicking the Bears' ass. Um, Pittsburgh was a no-show against Baltimore, but hanging in there tied at halftime. And then finally, um, the, the the third game, um, Atlanta was completely getting outplayed by New Orleans. But for the longest time, I had scalpable numbers I could play versus the contest lines, and I was taking advantage of it. Bombing, I, I bet so much on the Saints. Every every minute, I was betting more and more on the New Orleans Saints, including Sunday before the game started. I got Saints minus three, even money, minus three, minus 103, minus three, minus 105, and minus three, minus 108. And they wound up closing like minus three, lay $1.20. So, frankly, I was getting ahead of that line move as it was happening, hitting the stale bucket shops, recognizing those are bets I probably would have wanted to have made anyways, and they were reducing my risk because I played the stupid Atlanta Falcons plus three and a half just because the line was – 2.9 and I could not resist grabbing a three and a half on a game where line was 2.9 at the time. Now I know you had said you had a plan to play opposite your Circa picks in Westgate. Uh, so if you went two and three in Circa, you went three and two in Westgate. Were you chasing in Westgate? Like, did you need what? What kind of week did you need in Westgate to cash? I, I really needed a four and one, mm. if not a five and zero. Oh. I finished 39th in Westgate and the top 20 cashed so it was uh just too little too late um i, I wish i'd gone contrarian the last two weeks in west because i wound up ultimately i think it was a game and a half out of the money um so i was close really good record like 20 games above 500 but no cigar you know what was disappointing to me i played the westgate season win contest not a big prize pool 200 entry fee but i've cashed the last two years and this year i went 21 10 and 1 and i was confident i was going to cash again and it was one game out of second, and five guys tied second through fifth. Oh. Four guys. <laughs> and top five so get paid. So I wound up in, a, in sixth place, which paid nothing, but I've got three consecutive years with the top six finish. So now that the regular season is over, uh, does your approach change at all when it gets to the playoffs? Um, that's a great question. Obviously, yes, because there's so, so many fewer games, and there's more props offerings being put out. And pretty much the lines get bet into place faster such that I'm paying more attention than I will normally to props. And every game's an island game. So if you're betting on an exchange, every game is like minus 101, minus 102 in each direction. So you can you really aren't paying any vig. If you've got enough outs this time of year, like as an example, if you've got access in Jersey to the profit exchange, and there's other ones out there, you can um, pay a whole lot less big into a whole lot more difficult market to beat. And, and you obviously have to be pretty fast on these props. And you texted today about uh, some props in the Steelers-Bills game. Obviously, it looks like there's going to be massive wins in that game, which makes you want to look at the unders in passing yards. And uh, at the time you texted, we were looking at 223 and a half on Josh Allen and like the under there. And we were looking at 173 and a half on Mason Rudolph. Fast forward to now, just maybe what, eight hours later. And it's at Josh Allen's at 220. Mason Rudolph at 157. So a 16 yard drop off since you started. Like, how do you gauge 
win a, a, a yardage prop or something like that. Like, obviously, half points on a spread are massive. How do you gauge when a, a line has moved too much or a, a prop has moved too much for you to be interested in it? Oh, it's dependent upon player and prop and, and yardage. I, I don't think I can come up with any one rule. I can tell you, having watched the Pittsburgh win against Baltimore the whole way, that Rudolph did nothing the whole game, and he hit a miracle, like, 80-yard touchdown yeah. pass mm-hmm. to Deontay Johnson. And he still only got, like, 150 yards. So if he doesn't hit that, I mean, he, he throws for 70 yards. And now we're going to get crappy weather, and we just saw Pittsburgh win a game in crappy weather against Baltimore, running Najee left, Najee right, and Najee up the middle. So Tomlin's an old-school coach. I can't imagine he's suddenly going to deviate from what got him here with the win against Baltimore. So I expect Pittsburgh's going to run, run, run in the bad, windy weather. And uh, I'd be shocked if Rudolph sniffs 200 yards. I would agree with that. Uh, How are you going to be handling the live betting during that game and also the Dolphins-Chiefs game on Saturday, both those games with weather implications? Yeah, I love bad weather because it can change everything. Um, And I also love the... I call my one game standalone games because now every player is going to be dealing those games, not just the major sports books, pretty much all books are going to be dealing them live and they're going to deal opinions and they're going to have like pre-flop positions. Maybe they want a massage. So it's not unusual that you can get all kinds of bargains depending whether you like over or under, et cetera. Um, I got to tell you, um, you know, the Miami Kansas city game is fascinating because Am I the only one that saw that this is going to be 10 degrees? Because <laughs> th- th- this is like the mother of all bad weather spots for the year for a team, and it's bad for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I, I said uh, on on the day when the Bills beat the, the Dolphins to win the AFC East title, I said Dolphins are going to be cold. The word was it was going to be colder in Kansas City than it's going to be in Buffalo this weekend. So it, it may have been a double kick in the balls for the Dolphins, who, I mean, one of the options was traveling to Buffalo, but it looks like it's even worse going to mm-hmm. Kansas City uh, and playing in even colder weather. Yeah, one of the options was to win the game, <laughs> get to host, host the game. But, I mean, yeah, NFL does them no favor. Sunday night game, now they wheel back. Saturday night, go from 75 degrees to 10 degrees. Most injured team coming into the playoffs against a healthy Kansas City team pretty much off of a bye for their major players. Um, everything points to Kansas City. The power ratings only make it three and a half. I don't care. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch the Dolphins here at all, and and I would not even consider any sort of teaser. I might. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see Kansas City, whose offense has struggled all year long, but of course they still have got a quarterback. Just uh, totally shut down frigid Miami team. What about a total in that game? Do you feel like the uh, the under is worth looking at? Yeah, I played under, but of course I'm concerned. It's hard to tackle in 10 degrees, especially if you're from Miami. So I could just see like Pacheco just running through people, angry style. Um, you know, I'm kind of torn. I wanted to ask you guys because Pacheco is the slighter build player. And normally when it, when players start wearing three layer, layers of clothing and the like, you want to mutter. And that would be more, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. What do you think about usage of those backs in this game? I think every back is going to be used in this game because if it's going to be cold and and possibly snowy, I think that Andy Reid's going to you know empty the chamber and use all all of his running backs in this game. 
Yeah, I tend to think that Pacheco will be still the higher usage guy. I think they set him out last week in in you know expectation that he would kind of be the go-to guy in this game. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I would expect to see a couple more carries for for Edwards Alaire than you see on a normal week. Well, Fez, best of luck. We know you'll be uh, live wagering all these games, and uh, and best of luck making sure you're on the right side of the weather uh, in these things. We appreciate the time, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness, and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. NBA News, Kawhi Leonard has a new deal, AJ, a three-year, $153 million extension. That's a lot. For Kawhi Leonard. This kind of like flew under the radar. It's like out of the blue, out of nowhere. All like, It's like uh, what we talked about the other day, or yesterday was um, uh, Eric Spolstra, coach of the Heat, yeah. got his extension. And I guess the Clippers were like, hey, everyone's giving out money now. Let's give out our own. Well, what's wild is Eric Spolstra coaches every game. Yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi doesn't play. play. He's like a part-time player. He's like <laughs> 60% of the games, and they're paying him like a full-time guy. I think that's odd. But, uh, yeah, this is a, it's big money for Kawhi. And, he ha- I mean, I know when you've got superstars, you got to pay big money to keep them. But, man, it, it, the, it's got to be a concern. The, the, the health of this guy over his tenure with the Clippers has just been poor. So, uh, right now, they're probably feeling good. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I mean, 
but it's, I don't know how how many months from a month or two from now are they going? Damn it, he's hurt again. Yeah, it just feels like that's coming. Well, Kawhi responded with 29 points last night. The Clippers beat the Raptors 126, 120. Elsewhere, the Celtics remain undefeated at home. It took overtime, but they defeated the Timberwolves 127, 120. And Victor Wembanyama with the triple double, 16 points, 12 boards, 10 dimes as the Spurs beat the Pistons 130 to 108. Triple double in it took him 21 minutes. Yeah. to get to that triple double. That's Unbelievable. A good, game. good game for him. Let's take a look at the schedule for tonight. We have the Nets at the Cavs. This game is in Paris. That's Ooh. right. The NBA Paris game and this one is it's an early. It's a 1 o'clock Eastern time start time there. Uh, actually, 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock Eastern time start this afternoon. The Cavs hosting the Brooklyn Nets. Well, hosting. They're in Paris. Uh, Cleveland is three-and-a-half-point favorites. Total of 225-and-a-half. Uh, the Celtics will be at the Bucks. That's your TNT, uh, part of your TNT doubleheader for tonight. Milwaukee, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Total 240-and-a-half. Give me the Bucks. Celtics coming off an overtime win against the T-Wolves. Now playing on a back-to-back. And uh, on the road. Yeah, on the road. I, I like Milwaukee here. Your second game of the doubleheader is the Suns at the Lakers. Lakers, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Total 236-and-a-half. Yeah, I'm still not sold back into the Lakers. <laughs> I, yeah, you're gonna, you're, I'm, not, I'm not looking to bet this. But these are two of the most disappointing teams in the yeah, league. I, I mean, agree with that. The Suns, if you said the Suns and the Lakers were both going to be 500 at this point in the mm-hmm. season, I don't think a lot of people would have believed you. Elsewhere, Blazers at the Thunder. OKC, 13-and-a-half-point favorites. Knicks at the Mavericks. Knicks are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Knicks... I asked you this question I mean, about maybe two weeks ago, maybe less than that. I don't know. My days run into each other. I asked you if the Knicks were the num- were the fourth team in the Eastern Conference, yeah. and you were like, I don't know if I want to put them there yet. And they're and certainly you, playing like it. They're playing. You, yeah, if you look at the standings, like they're maybe they're not there yet, or they're, they're right there with the Pacers. But I mean, it's no one would argue it's Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers as the big three in the Eastern Conference. But then I think it's a race. To see who's next. I do too. And I, right now, you no one can argue they've won five straight games. No one's playing better in that next group of teams than the Knicks. I think the Knicks are the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. I still, I, I still like the Cavs' talent a little bit more, and I still, maybe foolishly, trust the Miami Heat. You know, sort of, uh, yeah, pedigree. Sure, but uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I like them better than the Pacers. I, I like them better than the Magic. So yeah, I, I don't think you're I don't think you're far off here. The upsets continue in college basketball. Uh, two days ago, we saw the number one and number two teams in the country go down, and yesterday we saw number three and number five wow. fall as well. That's not even mentioning number nine who <laughs> lost, number eleven who lost, number twenty one who lost. Lots of upsets. Eh, rankings don't mean anything. Uh, apparently not. But number three Kansas, a sixty-five sixty loser. To Central Florida. Central Florida kicks off their their first Big Twelve home game. They beat Kansas. The storm was or the storm rush of the court mm-hmm. happened. I mean, it was a big deal. Uh, but Central Florida, a huge win. One team that avoided the upsets. Number four, UConn, even without Alex Caravan, an 80-75 win at Xavier. 
Tennessee, number five, Tennessee falls to Mississippi State, 77-72. Number seven, North Carolina, they hold serve, 67-54 win on the road at NC State. That's a nice win. We talked about this one a little bit yesterday, Scott. TCU coming off a loss, tough, heartbreaking loss. 80-71 win, hosting Boomer Sooner. Number nine, Oklahoma, suffering their second loss of the season. Number 11, Marquette, fell to Butler, 69-62 at home. A, a home Big East loss for Marquette. Marquette now 2-3 and three in the Big East. No one saw that one coming. Memphis, 107-101 winners over UTSA in overtime. It's at least a cover for UTSA. They don't get the outright upset, but a nice cover. Number 15, Wisconsin. Boy, did they take care of business. Nice uh, comeback and a second half to remember for Wisconsin. They end up blowing out Ohio State on the road. A Big Ten road win, 71-60. Wisconsin with Purdue losing a couple days ago. Wisconsin's established themselves as the team in the Big Ten right now, 4-0 in conference play. And number 21, Clemson, falls 87-72 at Virginia Tech. Only three games in the top 25 tonight. Number 24, Florida Atlantic, kind of sputtering. They are 7.5-point favorites at Tulane. Michigan State, a 3.5-point dog at number 10, Illinois, still without Terrence Shannon. And number 23, Gonzaga, a nine-and-a-half-point road favorite at Santa Clara. On the ice last night, Flyers beat the Canadiens in a shootout 3-2. The Stars blew out the Wild 7-2. And the struggles for the Vegas Golden Knights continue. Ah. Shut out by the Avalanche 3-0. Tonight, a much larger slate of games. The Sabres will host the Senators, and this one is Buffalo minus 130. The Sharks are at the Canadiens, and uh, Montreal coming off that shootout loss yesterday. Uh, you have Montreal minus 150. Oilers are at the Red Wings, and Edmonton is minus 170. Devils are at the Lightning. Tampa Bay minus 140. Devils will be without Jack Hughes in this one. The Kings are at the Panthers, and Florida minus 140 home favorites. Canucks, you know I love my Vancouver Canucks. They are at the Penguins. Pittsburgh minus 130. I don't get why the Canucks are still having a plus money, even plus 105. Why is there a plus money next to this team? So we're back game? in the dog here? Yeah, we're back in the dog Let's here. go, baby. We, we backed them against the Islanders as a small plus money favorite. What's uh, the total in that, six and a half? Six and a half, yep. Boy, I feel like there's a lot of scoring in that game. There's a lot of scoring in that game. We like the over and we like the Canucks. Uh, the Kraken are at the Capitals and Seattle's minus 120. The Ducks without Trevor Zegras. Uh, they are at the Hurricanes and Carolina, massive favorite, minus 340. I just think the Ducks are a little too banged up right now. Maple Leafs are at the Islanders. Toronto's minus 130. Rangers at the Blues. New York minus 165. Now, the Rangers are coming off a loss to the Canucks. They're also coming off uh, its back-to-back losses because they lost to the Canadiens. Prior to losing against the Canucks, the Rangers were an NHL best 10-1 and after a loss. Uh, this They had an incredible loss, uh, win-loss win record after a loss. They were great after a loss. Well, after two straight losses, yeah, I'm going to back the blue shirts here to get back on track. Minus 165. Blackhawks are at the Jets. Again, no Connor Bedard. He's out six to eight weeks. Winnipeg is minus 450. The Jets, the most points in the NHL right now. The Flames are at the Coyotes, and Calgary is minus 125. And the Bruins, 
who uh, have lost two straight as well on this West Coast trip, losing to the Avalanche and the Coyotes, will be in Vegas tonight to take on the Golden Knights, and the Bruins are a minus 130 road favorite. Make sure you guys head to pregame.com and save some money right now using our promo code, still available, Michigan15. Yep. Michigan could be, you know, the Michigan, like, uh, you know, the goal that you score, you, you know, a little lacrosse style around the net. You do the Michigan goal. Oh, I didn't know. No, I don't you know, know that. what that is? No. no, the Michigan goal, since we're talking hockey. Michigan won the national championship. We're still celebrating them. Well, AJ is. Uh, Michigan 15 saves you $15 off at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, Steve Fezzik, who joined us, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM. Oh.